1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Hello, once again, Chris Malone from the 98.5 KTK Morning Show. Here we go with today's recap for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. Foods that help you feel less bloated. Nothing worse than eating and then feeling kind of bloated where you just not comfortable and kind of miserable. And a lot of it has to do with each and every one's a little bit different as to what irritates your stomach and what doesn't. But there are some commonalities that may help you get rid of the bloat. For instance, Greek yogurt, plain Greek, Greek yogurt, has less dairy, has less sugar, and, less, and more protein than any other yogurt. And that less sugar and more protein can actually mean less gas produced inside your GI system. So give that a shot. Carrots filled with potassium, that helps fight off bloating plus the fiber. That's a good thing with um, kind of filling you up without you actually overeating and therefore feeling bloated. As for fruits, look for ones that contain lots of water, like melons, which are about 90% water. And since we're about 70% water, that extra hydration will really help. Finally, asparagus has a lot of uh, probiotics that helps you maintain proper gut balance and something you should eat all the time. By the way, it's delicious grilled. Um, <laughs> you know, I everyone has the story about asking for hands in marriage, and it's always a special moment. And there's always, it's a nervous, nerve-wracking experience. You don't know if the person you're asking is going to say yes or no. Um, and you just want to, you know, it's, a, it's one of those moments in time where it time stands still and you want it to be perfect. So perhaps you may take a drink or get some liquid courage to help you, uh, Pop popped the question. Unfortunately, you can drink a little bit too much and have a bit of a problem. That's happened to a German man. After uh, going out on a night out of town, he decided uh, he was going to ask his girlfriend to marry him. Got down on one knee, opened up the ring box, asked her to marry him, and that's all he remembered. The next day, he wakes up. He doesn't know if his girlfriend or fiance or what she said or didn't say. And after failing to get com- some cues and clues... About uh, what his girlfriend said, um, he actually is now turning to strangers to help him find out um, if she said yes or no. She he's actually turned to uh, local social media asking anyone who may have witnessed his proposal to let him know if she said yes. By the way, so far, no one has said anything. <laughs> you know, you're probably going to let him hang for a little bit, too, um, on that one. Um, maybe your parents or grandparents had said this at one time about a car. If you get upwards of 100,000 miles on the odometer, it's probably time to get rid of it. You're going to get problems with the car. You're not going to get much money for a trade-in. It's going to be more of a headache than it's worth. That may have been true back in their days, but today's standards have actually improved drastically. So it leads to the question, how long should a car last? When you consider that the average new car price is over $46,000, I say it should last a pretty long time. And I'm right. According to Progressive Insurance, they say the modern conventional car can last for 200,000 miles. If you keep that vehicle well-maintained, it could easily reach 300,000 miles or more. They also say the average lifespan of the car has has reached an all-time high of 13 years for passenger cars. However, there are some exceptions. For instance, uh, the rule of thumb remains, like with your parents as they do uh, today, Uh, First-year models of vehicles probably you want to skip, mainly because of all that redesign and reconfiguration. Um, is not been really tested in the real world. You really want to be on the hook for that. Also, kind of look at the maintenance records of the vehicles as well. You don't want to jump into a vehicle or a make um, or a model that has a bad track record of not being reliable. Uh, Conversely, if you find one that has a good track record of being uh, reliable, it may not be so hard to swallow that $46,000 sticker payment shock uh, uh, for you to pay. Uh, And it really boils down to, uh, even though the technology has really improved, it really comes down to you taking good care of your vehicle. You will get your, your mileage out of it for sure.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: You know, the saying goes, opposites attract when we're talking about finding love. And I guess you could say the same thing about opposites in finances as well. In fact, finances is a big reason why couples split up. Right behind being uh, inf- uh, infidelity or cheating is Financial. It's a big reason why over half of marriages fall to this day. And it's because we're more apt to talk about sex than we are to talk about our finances. A lot of people feel ashamed of their finances and feel it's going to be a deal breaker. And for many instances, it will be. But hiding it is not going to make things better. In fact, um, we learn our money habits when we're kids and it continues into adulthood. And just some people are savers and some are, are, are spenders. And that's why you really should be up front and accept your differences when you're talking about falling in love. You can fall in love with somebody that's very different than what your take is on finances, and that can possibly pay you dividends in the end, but you need to accept those differences. Some people like to save, some people like to spend, some people like to... Yeah, whatever. But anyways, go ahead and uh, accept those differences and make sure you always keep the lines of communication open. Early in the dating phase, you should really be talking about your finances. If you've had problems in the past, if you are struggling in debt, if you are somebody who saves money and loves uh, to live frugally, these are all things that need to be discussed early. And make sure you're respectful of your partner's financial goals and priorities. Again, there should be complimenting yours. Make sure you're keeping things fair. A lot of times we tend to think when we're talking about uh, structuring that it should be 50-50 down the middle. And that's not necessarily true because your spouse may make less money than you or more money, or your spouse may may do more of the uh, domestic work than you. All of that has to play into how you're going to split um, uh, household expenses. So keep that one in mind. And then finally, keep boundaries. Don't feel ashamed uh, if you keep a separate bank or or checking or savings account. In fact, over a third of married adults keep their entire finances completely separate. And there's some good reasons behind it. If you're keeping the lines of communication open, that's fine. But, you know, it also comes down to, at least, you know, in my, how I look at it, you know, I don't want to tell Scott how to spend his personal money. That's his... He doesn't have to explain that to me. That's his money. He's earned it. And to be honest, I really don't want to know how much he has and how he spends it. That's his decision. But anyways, it's one of those things you may want to talk about, or at least consider if you're getting into a relationship, having that talk about finances before sooner rather than uh, later. Speaking of money, can it buy you happiness? Well, yes, to a degree. And I know what you're thinking is more money, more happiness, right? Not necessarily true. There's been some conflicting studies on this. They have, there's, there was one that said that uh, your, um, uh, your, as your income rises, your happiness rises, but it seems to peak at around $75,000. There's some that say that's over $100,000 is where that starts to peak. But I thought what was interesting in all of this is that the way that money can find affect happiness, I should say, is different depending on the income. Among lower earners, unhappy people gain more from an increased income than happier people do. So in other words, if you're uh, at the bottom of the happiness distribution, or if you're making uh, low money, uh, you are actually apt to get happier faster than those in the top ranges of income. So money isn't really perhaps the complete secret to happiness, but it does help a bit. And don't think that it's just winning the lottery is going to make you happy with money. And then finally, we talked about the Gen X Museum. That's a, um, a, um, a little bit of a, uh, it's called the Grow Up X Exhibit. Uh, and it's on display right now for a limited time at the Illinois State Museum in Springfield, Illinois. It's a hell of a town. Um, if you were born in the mid to late 60s all the way up to the 80s, you know what Gen X is all about. We're talking about rotary phones, cassette tapes, modems, pagers, boxes, Teddy Ruxpin. And the cool part is this um, exhibit, I guess, is interactive. So you can bring your kids or your friends to uh, reminisce about how things were before the Internet. <laughs> when channel TV channels used to go off uh, at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exhibit runs through September 4th and admission to that museum absolutely free. So there's the show for today, Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. I'm Chris Malone. Always welcome your comments and feedback. You can email me, cmalone at odyssey.com. That's A U D A C Y.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.